Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. So an amazing thing happened. What's that? We got talking about Star Wars, and it led to me actually going back, without anyone present there, and too early in the day to start drinking, <laughs> watching Star Wars The Phantom Menace. I went back and I watched it, and I took 11 pages of notes here because... Because of me? This was originally because you and I were talking on Discord, and the idea came to just... We, we were having such a discussion that I was like, you know what? This should be a podcast. This is a podcast in the making. So I'm going to rewatch the movies. I'm going to take some notes and we'll watch, like, we'll discuss the prequels and the originals. We're going to dis disregard the sequel trilogy for now. What sequel trilogy? <laughs> that's, what, that's what I've become. That's what you've become. So, so this kind of started with, with my thesis to some degree that... This is true. That the, the prequels are especially particularly by our generation are pretty poorly remembered we did not we were disappointed to say the least yes but that looking back on them they're in some ways not saying they're not flawed but they're in some ways better than we remembered and they, these are are still unique and interesting movies we wouldn't be doing this we're not going to be doing this uh 15 years from now for jupiter ascending or something, you know. That Some people <laughs> will be. Somebody might be. Um, but There's already a lot of discussion about that movie, but... <laughs> but anyway, okay, that was bad. But you, you get what I'm saying. So, so here we are with 11 pages of notes on The Phantom Menace, and Chris is ready yes, to... Yes, I have 11 pages because, like, listen, it was like at the 19-minute mark, I had just finished the third page of notes, and I'm looking at the time, and I'm like... We can't do this original plan. We have to do this one movie at a this time. This one movie at a time. <laughs> we have to do All one right. movie at a time. So yes, we're going to discuss the Phantom Menace. But here's the thing: I, I gave myself some some rules, and also, what your thesis was again, like you said, like the movie. One of your things is the movies aren't as bad as we remember. Remember, there's good stuff in them, kind of a thing. And you're basically trying to get the blanket statement of it's a bad movie out of there. Now, when I went to watch this movie, I had a couple of... I had a slightly different approach, but my mentality was I'm going to have two guidelines. The first is I'm not going to... I'm not going to repeat criticisms from the Red Letter Media Review, the old, like, over a decade at this point, um, year-old... Mr. Plinkett review that got red letter media, you know, because yeah. the whole, um, the most disappointing thing since my son, you know, that, that <laughs> review. Um, I'm not going to quote that if I can avoid it. There might be some points where I can't help but cross over, but, and the second thing is I'm looking at this movie. I went through this movie with the idea of being a Hollywood script doctor. So in other words, how would I take what exists and if I could improve it, like what do I find? Like if I'm if I'm in Hollywood and I'm trying to fix the script, what are the problems I'm identifying? And then how? What am I coming up with to try and fix it and make what is there better? Because my big thing is George Lucas. This is the this is the movie where George Lucas lost all of his help. Um, a lot of people want to like like a lot of people did a lot of conjecture. They didn't have a lot of information. I've read through the book, The His Secret History of Star Wars, and it, and I've said it before on this podcast, it really humanized George Lucas for me. 
and I want to start, and that's what a part of what I want to start with. Mm-hmm. When the Phantom Menace was coming out, everyone believed the same thing. George Lucas was this great visionary guy, and he always had this plan for six to nine movies. He always had this prequel idea in mind, and yada yada. And while that's not entirely false, what we got isn't necessarily what he had in mind. Bits and pieces are, but his original intent was for the prequel trilogy to be about Obi-Wan. We didn't know this. This movie came out, what, 98 or 99? Uh, yeah, sometime between sometime between 97 and 99. Yeah, we should probably have had that looked up. Well, you're, you're looking it up. Cause, and the hype for me, like, I don't remember much of the hype that I had, but I, at the very least, know. Before I got a CD player, I had a Walkman. One of the first cassette tapes I bought for myself was the Phantom Menace soundtrack because it had Duel of the Fates. Which is amazing. It is. 1999. It was 1999. Okay. Duel of the Fates was a great, great song that even now I will say I don't think really belongs in this movie. But regardless of any of that, like that that is a great song. And that's part of what had me hyped up. In fact, I remember, oh, oh, I remember there was a competing music channel to MTV. It was like... VH1? No, 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 no. I can't remember what it was called. Because we had just moved into the neighborhood for a couple of years. It it was similar to Total Request Live. Okay. Where, you know, people call and they request a song or whatever. But it didn't have any of the hosts. It was just music videos, and it had the phone number at the bottom. And I think you had to pay a fee, um, but you could request a song, music video, to be played. And they would play Duel of the Fates with footage from the movie. None of which had Jar Jar Binks, imagine that. Mm, imagine <laughs> that. But it was, it, it was like, that was one of the ways I got so, hyped, was I'd put on this channel, I'd ignore most of the music, but every once in a while, someone would request Duel of the Fates, and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm pumped, I'm pumped for this movie. So, and, you know, this is, I think this might be more of a discussion for Attack of the Clones, um, which is, I'm the real weirdo here who Attack of the Clones is my favorite in the prequel trilogy. I can see that. Um... But so, well, I need to rewatch it before I can, you can truly before say you that, can so say we'll that. see. But so one of the things, so when you do rewatch it, Attack of the Clones in particular, one of the things that stands out to me is the excellent use of themes in the soundtrack and just the fact that John Williams is amazing. But I find that the, the themes hit sig- better than even the typical Star Wars movie in Attack of the Clones. The John Williams scoring of that, that film, and now that's, I could say that's less so for Phantom Menace, um, but I do see There's I do a lot see of Duel of the, I do see Duel of the Fates. The way it's used throughout the trilogy, I do think that it's yes, he brings it back because I, I remember yeah. a specific scene that he starts it in Attack of the Clones, and I understand what you're saying. Yeah, so we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves now. So why don't we? Should, yeah. we, should we get into the into the actual the film here? So I know you've got like a, right. two paragraphs on the opening crawl. Yes, I got um, two paragraphs yeah. just on the opening scroll itself. Actually, one of the, the, the actually scroll. my first thought my first thought I will admit was I'm sitting there realizing this movie is now as old, if not older. Yeah, it's about as old as the original A New Hope was by time it was getting the whole special edition treatment. I'm sitting there like, man, why isn't George Lucas going to come and ruin this movie for a whole generation of people? <laughs> why is he only going to ruin my movie? <laughs> like, but, <laughs> but no, that's 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 a joke because I, 
Actually, I'm going to start on the positive note first. Because this one isn't completely CG yet, because they, they're still using models in places and not exclusively CG, there are still moments of this film that look good because of the practical effects. Mm -hmm. There are parts that make it look dated as any 1990 movie is going to. But I think the parts that look the most dated is when they rely way too heavily on the computer graphics. Right. So there's a lot of... So I'd say of the prequel movies, this one's probably the best looking. This one's probably the one that actually ages the best visually because they didn't rely too heavily on the CG um, as they would later. That's one of the things. And another thing is... When it comes to set pieces, because one of my things that I talk to people about is... What makes, especially A New Hope, more than the sequels, A New Hope, is that pulp sci-fi feel. And my my thing about Star Wars is you ought to be able to imagine a radio show announcer discussing and summarizing the event. So, previously on Star Wars, uh, I, I, I had like a, a, a Obi-Wan cuts off somebody's no, arm. No, 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 no. It's like, you know. here's the Star Wars. It's like, Luke Skywalker lucks out as he kills Jabba the Hutt's prized Rancor pet. But mm -hmm. now, will he and his friends survive the new Sarlacc pit in the desert mm -hmm. on Jabba's like, tune in next time on Star Wars. And like, if you can do that with the story beats, you, you've got a general idea of what a Star Wars film should kind of be paced with. And originally, you know, you know, not having seen the movies in a while, my thought on how The Phantom Menace works and everything is that it leaves that behind. It doesn't. It actually doesn't. Um, See, I, this it, is something... it does have that. It does have that adventurous pulp pace to it. But what George Lucas lacks that he had in that original trilogy is someone to help bring heart to things, mm -hmm. and just a basic logic of certain elements of plot um but otherwise he's got the set pieces down he's got the structure of set pieces and how to put them beside each other to create the 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 baseline of an entertaining film yeah so i, I think i've told you this before so when the first time i rewatched the prequel trilogy recently we watched them in like somewhat variable 20 30 ish minute yeah Segments rather than watching the whole film. Episodic. Once. Episodic, and, and I thought that was the point when I when I said these movies work a lot better than I remember them working because you could watch sort of from the start of Phantom Menace to um, them fleeing Naboo, um, you know, and then and then or something like that, and then you can watch from the Tatooine to through the pod racing scene through leaving Tatooine. And then you know, there's you chunks get, you can split you up chunk, and then they're very and they do have that sort of you get a you get this each each of those chunks has the build up and some minor action and then the climactic action essentially that you know you've got in the first section you know you've got the battle on the ship they're ejected they're chased they go in the boat then they like the climaxes yeah, yeah. the escape and all that stuff and, and and so there there is a lot of there are core structural elements to the film and to the series that are actually pretty strong. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that yeah, like you said you you were going into it thinking that wasn't the case when 
Yeah. It actually kind of was. I will bring up a moment where I think it's also a weakness. And again, like that YouTube video which Seamus Young had linked in his Jedi Fallen Order uh, review um, by Rocket Jump, the Star Wars saved in the edit, and just what I know about the turmoil with Empire Strikes Back, I can see here being a problem. But we'll get to that later. Because um, the, the opening, and here's the problem with the opening scroll, even because as I was taking these notes, a lot of it was just me trying to figure out the plot, and it's not necessarily trying to figure out the plot so much as trying to figure out Palpatine, hmm. because the opening scroll, like the what is the first issue we have? Taxation of trade routes is in dispute amongst outer star systems. So it's not the core systems; it's the outer star systems, the fringe planets and stuff. What will become the separatists, essentially. So they form a blockade around an admittedly small planet, Naboo. Why Naboo? Why not any other planet? Now, of course, the reason for Naboo is because Palpatine is the senator of Naboo, and Palpatine's our bad guy, so... But it's, like... If I am the Trade Federation, like... And that's the thing, like, my first thing as a script doctor, Palpatine's not from Naboo. That's a convenience connection, but otherwise, like, the, the biggest well, issue is Naboo is a small planet that I'm assuming relies on imports because the people are starving, but the, in this planet where we only see one city and it's surrounded by lush green, how are these people starving? That's not the imports they should be relying on. They apparently are really bad at farming. They are really bad at a lot of things. They're really bad story. at a lot of things. These are some of the small things, but, but I think that is... But so, I get from the Palpatine perspective, the idea is Palpatine is, is the one telling the Trade Federation to blockade his own planet so that he can pivot this he can, into... He can manipulate Amidala into, into, and blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and I uses, get that. I get he even that. says something about using their sympathy, you know, to... But here's part of the problem with that. Because, again, my biggest issue is... Palpatine... Okay, so from the beginning through the film, it feels like Palpatine only gets what he wants through sheer luck. Because every step of the way, everything we hear from his mouth, especially as Sidious, um, which I understand there's like, well, he's Sidious, he's two-faced, he could be lying to the Trade Federation. Because uh, everything he says makes it sound as if everything is going not according to plan. He doesn't expect the Jedi to show up. He w tells them to kill the Jedi. Um... He insists, I want that treaty signed. Why? Why is it so important a treaty is signed? Why is it so important is that like it's through like it sounds like he didn't want Amidala to leave that planet. Except her leaving the planet works in his favor. But we're never given any sort of moment where we get to see that he is intentionally and pressuring the Trade Federation to act a certain way. Which this is me, like, if yeah. I'm fan canoning this. He is intentionally pressuring the Trade Federation to act a certain way to get his desired outcome. It instead, because remember, the law is show, don't tell. And from what we are shown, and told both, from what we are shown, it seems like every step of the way his plan is falling apart until, oh, well at least Amadala listens to me to vote no confidence in the chance. Well, we don't know, we don't. We don't know from the script that Sidious is Palpatine. 
from what's was this really that big of a secret? It wasn't a it wasn't a secret, but the the from the information you can you can be sure of from the film, we don't know that Sidious is Palpatine. That is not something that's revealed to the viewer until the third until episode three. So they're assuming that means they're assuming you have no knowledge of the original trilogy. Well, it's sort of like watching it's sort of like watching the original trilogy. It, it, there's, there's a, this is this is definitely a flaw in the system, but the Palpatine is never named in the original trilogy. His, I could name, have sworn he was. It, must it might be, it might be in the credits or something like that, or it might be, and maybe it's in an opening crawl, but it's not. He's not explicitly. He's the Emperor in the movies. He's not explicitly named as as Pal, Emperor Palpatine or outside of maybe one occurrence in the thing. So outside of Star Wars heads, a lot of people did not know that the Emperor was Palpatine. Outside, out from the original trilogy. So going into the, so that come from from canon sources okay. outside of the. But this means you're now doing a three movie Fight Club, which means once you get the spoiler, once you find out the whole time the twist that oh it was the same guy this whole time, you need to be able to go back to the original movie. And it all still makes sense, which means we needed scenes of Sidious explaining how this was actually like, so, what his so here's, plan here's with all this was. But think about think about this. So think about the way. My first, my so first thought. I'm Paul, watching this opening. My first thought is, if you want a vote of no confidence in the Supreme Chancellor, he secretly sent the Jedi. So the the rest of the arguing Senate and Congress and stuff did not know that this that the Supreme Chancellor sent the Jedi. Jedi. So, and by the wording of the film, the Chancellor sent the Jedi, who should be a neutral party, not to help with the dispute, to tell the Trade Federation stop. This is right. the wording of the film itself. Mm-hmm. The Jedi were sent to tell the Trade Federation stop. This is what if I am Sidious. I'm getting this information, doing what I can, and having this, you know what, have the whole Naboo Trade Federation dispute, like, have them use this footage, be like, you know, like, how can we take orders from a Supreme Chancellor that's going to send the Jedi, like, thugs to come, get, and they, they yeah. play the footage, and now the entire Senate is now, like, because that's the thing, it's like, these are Jedi minds, and this is where a... Right, it, get the footage from the ship of the Jedi slaughtering a whole bunch of droids. And, it, yeah. Unfortunately... You don't have the footage because you'd have to include like a spy or something in the whole Naboo section that was traveling with them that would be able to get them using the Jedi mind trick on Boss Nass. Because what does that tell you? Not only is the Supreme Chancellor sending the Jedi to these guys to, um, oh no, no, no. All you need is someone to sit down and talk with uh, Jar Jar. Be like, how did oh, you? Jar Jar, how did yeah. you get in this journey? The, use, and, the useful and, you know, idiot. Oh yeah, he used the blah blah blah. Yeah, exactly. The useful idiot. Where and it's like, and from one of the it's like one of Naboo's own indigenous peoples, and have like the footage. Like, uh, yeah, I, he I, used the Jedi mind this trick. Is, and, this is interesting. This is very like. This, this is, is a better plan. <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's the thing. Here's the thing you're forgetting about Palpatine. When when you go and watch. And this is another example of where they didn't, I know I'm getting ahead of myself again, where they, they didn't lay it out for you, but once you've seen it a couple of times, you can put it together. So, 10 years ago, Palpatine poses 
as a dead Jedi to go to the Kamino to order a clone army in the name of the Jedi, knowing that this this is a long game. He's playing so that knowing that then this is he's going to foment a rebellion and create the separatists, knowing that the Jedi are going to activate this clone army that he built ten years ago under the fake name of a dead Jedi. So all of this, this whole thing with with Palpatine though is he's never it's always and using the Force to impregnate me and blah blah. I well, that's that that's out. actually been that's that's been disputed even among the from the comic which sort of implied it and everything else. But so even leaving that just from what what we have in the movies, everything everything is is Palpatine playing a, a long game of, of of a complicated thing. It's not a here's the the <sighs> the clobber footage of. The Jedi doing this, it's it's slowly building mistrust and other things and manipulating himself. So I got, I got two problems with this. The first being uh, writer Fiat, 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 whatever that word is. Uh, basically, things work out the way that they ought to work out because the writer dictated it so, not because it logically he's, makes sense within the film. He's, he's a Sith who's powerful enough to prevent the entire. He's sitting in a room in the Clone in uh, not Clone Wars in Attack of the Clones. He's sitting in a room with Yoda, Mace Windu, Obi Wan Kenobi, and like you know two of those Plo Koon and whoever else, uh, Kiati Mundi, all these. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Guys and they that can't can, tell that he's. The and Sith. then they don't know that he's a Sith. So obviously. This obviously the Jedi are incredibly incompetent until they use their lightsaber to kill people. Right, but so obviously his part of his whatever his power, you know, everybody's these sort of force poorly defined force powers is this sort of mass manipulation that he is he is manipulating and clouding the minds of those around him. So that's how he's winning. Is that just Senate because votes. someone dropped a line once in one of the movies? Well, I mean, that's just. That's just that. That's the only explanation for it. He's, which means the film does not show in your your head cannon. Head cannon that we cannot allow. I don't that. think that that's not head cannon. No, that's head cannon. If you are if you are basically saying if you are covering up a plot hole by saying oh he must be using his Sith powers to make the other Jedi not realize he's Sith, which makes no sense. Just saying it. It's like that well, is then, that is headcanon. That is headcanon because it's not in the movies. It's not in the movies. It is because it the, is not demonstrable the, in the movie. Um, it is made up to cover up a plot. No, what's his name? Um, Saruman. Uh, uh, this is not Lord of the Rings. Count, Count Dooku. Count Dooku. Count Dooku. Okay. Has in his speech to Obi Wan, he talks about how a Dark Lord of the Sith has been manipulating the Senate and is now in control of the Senate. So it is this idea that he is. He that it's he doesn't have to cloud the entire Senate, which is a lot of systems, by the way. Well, he's he's in the room with them. He's he's in the he's on Coruscant. Oh my goodness! That, you are seriously suggesting that's not, that's not, not seriously. Oh that's, my goodness! That's, he is he's manipulating oh. the Senate. That's the whole that's the that's the whole point of the thing is that is that everything worked out according to Palpatine's plan because he's been manipulating everyone the whole time. This like is where I knew we'd get into a discussion. I knew this was the point. <laughs> this is the point because you would never accept that this is bad writing. You would never accept saying, that this is bad storytelling because so you I, are using headcanon. I'm not using headcanon. You're taking... This no, is exactly, beyond that. So you're taking what is said and turning it into an exaggeration that the film never actually explains. 
you are turning to exaggeration that overpowers our bad guy to a stupid extent because it's convenient. But nobody's he's got a he's got the power of that's the real power of the dark side is the power of plot convenience. It's he's pulled a. Uh, you know, Even Yoda, so Yoda says, uh, uh, you know, a great veil has fallen, drawn by the dark side or something like that. In a Phantom Menace. Because remember, too, we're also going, because that's the other problem. It's not only writer Fiat, Fiat, whatever. It's also, just like he did not plan on Darth Vader and Anakin being the same person, George Lucas did not plan all three movies out that much ahead of time. He went script by script. So that Camino thing... That he made up on the spot when he was writing that script. And that's fine. And we will address that when I get to watch that movie. It's consistent with this idea that that Palpatine... No, 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 no. It becomes consistent. It becomes consistent. With this movie, it makes him look like a chump. It makes him look like a chump because there's even a point where... Okay, so after, after the Jedi go down to the planet... And he's talking to the Trade Federation. They're talking about the invasion. And then he tunes out. You didn't tell him about the missing Jedi? I won't tell him that until there's something to report. Why didn't you ask about the Jedi? You're the Sith. They should be your number one priority. You wanted them dead. You don't even think to ask. And are the Jedi dead? You don't even think to ask if they're defeated or not? No. You just sign off because you're an idiot. You're not. He's not an idiot. Except he clearly is. He he lucks out. In the structure of this film, he lucks out. Especially because I'm not even sure what the Trade Federation is hoping to get out of all this. Well, they're being manipulated by a Sith Lord. Except they talk about a bargain. We don't know. They talk about a bargain. They mention a bargain. This means there is a deal struck. Sidious approaches them. We know this. But he clearly doesn't just hand wave them. Because they are acting in a lot of ways on their own. They know well enough not to report the Jedi to him, which means he's not manipulating them to get all the truth. He's not doing some kind of Jedi force power to get the full truth out of okay, them. Okay, so there's a bargain. But that's 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 Star Wars. Every... every no, 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 no. Because if you go back to... No, 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 no. Shh, Because <laughs> I'm going to pour my point beyond this. We go back to A New Hope. Okay. Let me explain the plot to A New Hope. The basic plot. The basic so we can plot. understand the basic motivations of the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Rebellion steals Death Star plans. Mm-hmm. Empire wants their murder machine plans back. Yes. But that's not. What is so hard to understand about that? But that's not because they actually use this whole thing. So the, the, whole, the whole sequence on the Death Star... Where they're trying to rescue Princess Leia and escape, and only Princess Leia knows where the rebel base is. And what they actually wanted them to do the whole time was to rescue Princess Leia, to so lead them can, to the rebel to base, to lead them to the rebel base. But until until that becomes apparent, you would have no idea from watching the film that these are stormtroopers trying to let them go. It doesn't at any point look they're being shot at. They're being all this other stuff. So and are is. And who is actually aware of this plan? Were the stormtroopers on the ground aware of the plan? Hey, we're actually letting these guys go. Or was See, this... this is the downside where I do need to watch the original series again. Because I have not watched the original... Any of those movies start to finish either. Since the special editions. I'm just... I remember them way better than I do the prequels. The pre- yeah. But... but my, my point is that... I, this I, idea I, that... I need to go back and check that. Because I feel like that's one of those things where it's like, Oh, well, you know, we may as well... Right, otherwise, the, it's too convenient. And if that's the case, then that's still a problem with that. I'm saying that, that but that's that's Star Wars. That we say you have these things, 
where there's an implication of something else where no disintegrations or whatever else it is. Like, what does that mean? Why did, why did Darth Vader tell Boba Fett no disintegrations? It's to imply to the audience that they've worked together before and Boba Fett disintegrated somebody that Darth Vader didn't want disintegrated. And so when, when they talk about when Sidious and Newt Gunray, uh, who's, are just talking about we had a bargain or whatever else it is like okay like they had a bargain something happened off screen there's more there's a reason here we're not going to dwell on it because this is star wars but that's part of the problem is they are dwelling on it so much of this movie is dedicated to it and like they they decide to just tell you some minor things like this was not part of the bargain or whatever like they they, they give you lines that they expect f- to, to just explain things. They try and tell instead of show. Like, again, like, our people are starving. You live on a complete vegetation planet. Nobody should be starving I didn't say yet. these movies are perfect. Yes, nobody should be starving on Nebu. Unless maybe they're all... The droids are preventing them from doing anything. So here's my question. Do you acknowledge these as problems? Or these are, are you problems. just going to make up excuses no, some of Some of these are problems. I think some of these... Like you said, the said you went script by script. But... As, as somebody who does a fair amount of writing, a lot of times I'm just going off the seat of my pants, but I also have, I have a core outline that I'm working through. So Lucas knew, so obviously like he knew in movie three, Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader because of Darth Sidious's manipulation. And he does a bad job of that And we know that, you know, in movie two... We're going to see some signs that Anakin is turning to the dark side, but we're not going to see the, the fulfillment of that yet, and, and so on. So, so things like the extended, the idea of, of Sidious playing a long game of extended ma- manipulation that maybe in, where again, I don't want to get out of the movies here, in extra movie materials started before Anakin was born, and that... And then, so he's he's trying to push all these events well, together. See, this he's is trying part of the get... problem. This is part of the problem because this is me looking at this. Because especially when you consider how many years is going to be till people see the next one, how many unanswered questions were in A New Hope that mattered to that movie's plot? Well, because he didn't to making sense of that movie's plot. Everything within that movie again, like what is the what is the right. motivation of the bad guy? Like what is the right. background plot for these characters doing what they're doing? Again. Rebels stole plans. Empire want plans back. It's that simple. Trade Federation blockade around Naboo. Get Anakin? Oh, Wait no, a so minute. What? 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 No, no, no. So, so, so the... the, the and again, it's... Like, it's, it's, it's so it's, 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 it, it is... And again, it's like, what is the real... What is the real goal here? So the goal... To of the- get the... 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 the, um, the, the, the vote of no confidence in the Supreme Chancellor... It happens to work out that way in the most awful way because even like because he basically says you know because there there's the Trade Federation and some other race with the three eyes that are like you know like no no no, no. put it do an investigation don't act immediately and Chancellor Valorum Valorum yeah good job um, is like do like really poorly written line do you you know accept the investigation of the validity of your accusations. And, you know, she's like, no, I do a vote of no confidence. And all of a sudden, it's it's as if he's already, like, lost his position. Everyone's cheering. He's sitting down stunned. It's almost, and- it's almost like 
there's a, a Sith Lord with powers of manipulation in the room. Uh, Almost. Now again, you don't, if, you if, don't if know this. If the first time manipulation you... is used, see, here's what I can buy: his manipulation working precisely on Amidala. That huge, massive room. Bull crap. Then he would be able to force power his way into Luke's mind easy. Especially if he can do it in a room in the middle of Master Jedi that has no experience. Nobody than knows Luke. he's trying to do it. Head cannon. You're that, now, making that excuses right. that's, for the movie. That, for that part, no, I'm gonna say that's not. You're making that, excuses the, not, for the movie. No, okay, that you're right. That part is head cannon. But you're right. From a struct, from a from a a perspective, it does seem like that's an overreaction. From unless we again we don't know all the backstory, but again when you're talking about the plot being more complicated, so right, so at the core of A New Hope is rebels stole Death Star plans, Empire wants Death Star plans back, rebels blow up Death Star plan, Death Star using plans, right? Yes. And so the core of Phantom Menace, you know, Trade Federation is blockading Naboo. Our heroes want to save Naboo from. The, the Trade Federation. That, that is the, what dri is driving the movie forward the entire time. But just like in A New Hope, you lose sight of the Death Star plans for a bit to say, okay, Obi-Wan and Luke get connected so that, you know, Luke can become a Jedi and Luke gets, Luke the future Jedi gets connected with the Rebel Alliance so that he can use force powers to destroy the Death Star. Hold on, let's step back here, though. But so, let's, so there's, you know, hold on, because I'm not. Uh, there's some stuff that I'm not arguing against. But here's what I'm going to say. Again, I, if I were to script doctor this, and I were to try and keep as much of it intact as it is as possible, but try and make it make sense. First change, when they tell him about the Jedi arriving, his response is exactly as we expected. And for the intention to be to, and actually just exactly as we expected, cut it. Cut it there. Make it a surprise when it turns out they instigated the Jedi into violent action. And of course, the, the footage they show is modified. Because, like, it removes the poison. Okay, gas. I think you're really, you're really hung up on them showing footage of the Jedi. Because if we're trying to that's believe. Totally, no, 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 no. That's totally anti Star Wars, though. That's not Star Wars. Shh. We don't watch footage in. <laughs> we don't have a huge, giant chamber. Do you accept the validity of the blo Do you accept an investigation into the validity of your accusation? That's not Star Wars either. That's C SPAN. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we're already well, just... dealing with different stuff. But what I'm saying is, if we are to, like, my, what I would do is to make sure within the context of just this film, and you could still maintain, because it wouldn't be uh, Palpatine showing this footage. Oh, Palpatine, okay. like, in fact, in theory. fact, make the photo no confidence a result of, of <laughs> we will get off of it, because like, I'm finishing up, because this is, this is going to be like just my answer, like this kind of thing, because if, if, if the idea is to create a such a, a conflict of interest that not only is he like basically with Naboo being like why are you so afraid to move on this oh he has moved on it but nobody else knows about it and now like th his inability to deal with this situation in a way that is satisfactory to all the congress that gives you your vote of no confidence boom 
that is how I would start rewriting. And again, like you don't have to let people know that this was according to plan. Let like let people figure out then, like when he says as expected. Let them think that he's trying to kill the Jedi. So, and again, so, that's where you get your Phantom Menace in. So, and that's, I think that that works better in the the frame of this, the individual movie when you. And what's what's wrong when you're revealing that later then? When you pull out a trilogy, because the whole idea is that that Sidious is trying to manipulate the creation of a um, what do you call it of of the separatist movement and the trade federation is going to be part oh, of oh this would have, okay so i'm going to be honest this would have been part of my other change because again i would not have made him the senator of naboo okay but so i would have changed well, it that doesn't as matter well, where he was the senator of but his goal is to his his goal is to basically foment a rebellion in the galactic republic by creating the separatist movement so i don't i mean I don't know. Well, he, he, hold so, on, hold on. So, his so then, plan, though, his plan, though, again, what is his plan? It's, it's him so, playing two sides. It's him playing two, sides, two sides to manipulate the conflict within the Congress to get the vote and no confidence. That is my yeah. fix to it, and it works a lot better than what's in this movie. But then here's the problem, though. this The Trade Federation doesn't want... The, they want the investigation. They want it to, to slow down so they can blockade as long as possible. I missed it. Well, they didn't. Once they invade, the blockade's gone. Well, they invade. They want to invade and and maintain that, as for whatever reason it is. And why? Um, what good is Naboo to the Trade Federation? I don't know. They've got lots of green stuff. Lots so this of is natural part of my reason. problem. Natural They're one of many in the outer system that's they, disputing this taxation. What is this outpost going to do for them to benefit? And that's I, the thing. I, like, need few, and that's is, where, like, to me, uh, another thing I thought of was like. You know, what if they were just trying to discuss a, an outpost on the other side of the planet that's completely unoccupied, and that's part of the club? But that's the thing; like, that does get to the point where we're overthinking some of this. Stuff. Right. We're, we're, that's, what I'm saying. that's what I'm saying. You're overthinking it. It's it's because the, it's a bad background, and I'm just trying to fix what's there. Okay. Well, let's 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 move along. I I think that really the 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 the, the real argument against this whole footage thing is that the. According to the the structure of the movie and the plot of the series, the structure of the series and the plot of the movie, the Trade Federation wants the investigation. They want the delays. They want to be able to move on Naboo and hold it, whether it's that's because that's what Sidious told them to do, or whatever their other motivations are. Maybe the bargain is that they get. What to you're telling me is I'm not going to enjoy the rest of the movies because it's going to keep making no sense because it's going to be piling on nonsense. That's not piling on nonsense. So the Trade Federation is all nonsense. They the are, Trade Federation oh. is nonsense. They're not really prominent in the rest of the series, though. I do remember they show up in the third ones and finally die. Well, yeah, they they they're they're background in the background at that point. But okay, so let's move on. Well, let's get to page two. Um, well, one last <laughs> thing though, because I actually thought it might be interesting, but it doesn't really play out in the film. When they arrive on that space station, Obi Wan's like, "I got a bad feeling about this." And Qui-Gon's just kind of like, ah, I don't sense anything. And the whole point of it is that, you know, like, he's telling Obi-Wan, you focus too much on the future, think a little bit more about the now. And I'm expecting this to play into later when they're going to be like, you know, the 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 bad stuff of the prophecy or something, like something in the negative. And, you know, he's not thinking about the future. But then again, he knows, like, by the end, his monologue, he's like the chosen one. So never mind, never mind. That's another bad line. That's, not, That's another example of well, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon should be switched places. Well, the whole idea, though... No, because Obi-Wan... And again, maybe you just don't like the character of Obi-Wan. 
part of the idea here is, I think on my you think you're on my, on my thing. So oh, so I, I what I don't think I know that the idea of Obi Wan as a character versus Qui Gon as a character is that Obi Wan is the one who thinks before acting. Obi Wan is the one who considers the consequences and tries to find the best possible outcome. And they, this is this I is demonstrated through the movie. I think we need to jump way and, ahead. We need to jump Qui -Gon, way ahead. Qui Gon is the one who is basically just f doing whatever is the available option, the next thing. And I think this is this is going to play. We're, we're going to get ahead of this, but this is what plays into the whole duel of the fates thing. Is the reason that that theme is is played over that fight is because it's basically about. Anakin's one of the deciding points of Anakin's fate is is his master Obi-Wan who ultimately doesn't understand him because Anakin is more like Qui-Gon. Anakin is act first, think later, rely on the fact that I have great Jedi reflexes and whatever else to always get myself out of these situations where Obi-Wan is the measured thinker and so Obi-Wan and Anakin don't understand each other. We'll come back to this. Which we'll becomes come an we'll issue. And he was a dear friend. He was a dear friend. Not if they didn't understand each other. But he was still a dear friend. We don't understand each other right to... now. I still think you're a dear friend. <laughs> but we understand that the latest Ordin Ogon album is going to be great. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I had to skip ahead because it, it does get too much into discussing the whole stuff. Like That is a lot of my notes here. I will be honest. Um, the next is a minor note where... Um, for, well, first, let Honestly, okay, firstly, Jar Jar isn't as prevalent as I remember, but he 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 stands out more than C-3PO ever did. And I know, I only bring up C-3PO because a lot of people defended Jar Jar by bringing up C-3PO as the comic relief. The first thing I will say, because this jumps ahead a little bit again, for the final action scene of Star Wars, when the, actually most of the action scenes... Um, most of the important ones. C-3PO doesn't say a thing during Obi-Wan's death. Or the escape from the... Well, I think he might have a line here or there for right. the escape of the Death Star. When you have um, the trench star battle, the, the camera shows him once in a while in reaction. He doesn't say a thing. The movie knows... When, the a New Hope knows when to not have comic relief. And that ending climactic fight is one of them. Except here we have whole parts of the big climactic battle dedicated to Jar Jar. But Jar Jar is not the only one. Now this is pod racing is some of that oh, as well. Okay, that's some, But this that's is the thing. Cringe. Jar Jar, what I realized is it's not even it's not even a speech. It's that he's a Looney Tunes character. Yes. And I love how you just... Yes. You've come <laughs> to this conclusion already. And that's what is so jarring, I think. And I think what worked the least. Because it's not... Well, the problem oh, is having comic relief. C-3PO is a straight man, right? C-3PO isn't so saying enough. or doing anything funny. C-3PO is just like this guy who's like, how did I get myself into this mess? Yes and, like, and no. It's because he, he's still an eccentric character, but he's not what we normally... Like, maybe not, he's not the same kind of eccentric where you might think like, woohoo, crazy. He's not that yeah. duck. But he's still like maybe not because he's the worry ward. He's like or like when he's in the what is it? It's yeah. like oh I'm melting, I'm melting. You know like 
he's still exaggerated, but again, like they they don't cut to that until it's necessary. Whereas, it feels like Jar Jar is forced into scenes where he shouldn't be. And in this film, I, I think it's also worse when you're first introduced to him because you are stuck with him for a while. Yeah, and the and that sort of that first act of the movie from the the Jedi on the on the Trade Federation ship to the exit of Naboo, Jar Jar is just... And even on Tatooine, still to some degree. Oh, Tatooine, his inclusion yeah. makes no sense at all. But I'll yeah. get to that. You should have left um, him on the ship. There was one interesting line, though. He mentions, you know, like, oh, you, you know, you saved me. It was demanded by the gods. And it's like... You know what could have actually helped really change his character and his inclusion in general? If he himself said, oh, this must be the will of the Force. I mean, granted, then he doesn't... Because they're trying to world build by giving his culture their own religion kind of a thing. But what if one of the reasons he's exiled is because he ref, he, he refutes that religion. And, but then again, maybe that's a bit too much for what... Because, let's face it, again, George Lucas, when he was making A New Hope, um, didn't have kids. And he was making a movie for himself. Mm-hmm. He and his buddy, like the whole thing that started was he and his buddy scanning um, listings for movies. And it's like, there's nothing like the old Buck Rogers or anything in here. Like they wanted something that was just fun to go to. And that's part of the problem of the 70s is it helped save cinema. but also helped start to destroy it again as well because you had these young, hungry directors that wanted to break away from the standard studio fare that was failing Hollywood and start doing stuff incredible like Taxi Driver. You started getting Jaws. You started getting all of these films that were risky and everything. But because these were young filmmakers, they were also made for themselves. They were adult. You know, The Godfather came out of this period. And at some point, people get sick of all this dour, cynical film stuff. And so, yeah, George and his buddy, and I think it was Gary Kurtz, it might have been someone else, are just sitting there and you're like, you know what, let's go get the, um, no, no, uh, Flash Gordon. Uh, They wanted to go get the rights to Flash Gordon. And they refused the rights to Flash Gordon. And I think one of the guys that was sitting there was like after, like, the lunch after the meeting, he just, he said, kind of was like, I guess I'll make my own Flash Gordon then. So it was a, (laughs) Star Wars is semi-spiteful because he couldn't make a Flash Gordon film. Right. Which imagine that, like <laughs> George Lucas is flag. That's it the thing. Probably wouldn't like, have had a Queen soundtrack though. But it, it would not have. Uh, he, however, that's the thing. He was making a movie that he wanted to make for himself. I'm just now he's got a Flash Gordon with a John Williams soundtrack now. See, I'm just imagining <laughs> yeah. the Queen soundtrack, but redone as John Williams. What about Star Wars with the Queen soundtrack? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Oh my goodness, now I'm thinking of the Highlander soundtrack, actually. <laughs> but, but, all that stuff aside, that's the thing, like, Gun, uh, gun Guns, uh, Jar Jar and stuff, this is in part because George now had adopted children. Hmm. And they did impact his, ma- he wasn't just making this movie for himself, and he's also, honestly, nobody, nobody really thought about it, he was partially making these movies because after his divorce with Marsha, Marsha? Marsha Lucas... She actually helped build Lucasfilm pretty heavily, so she had a good chunk of ownership. Mm. All the funds he saved up got gouged out pretty deeply, so Lucasfilm actually wasn't as in the money as people thought they were. This movie was partially in order to to make sure Lucasfilm stayed afloat. Um, So there's a number of reasons he made A Phantom Menace. 
And one of the least ones was because he felt the passion to do it. It was more like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now. Um, that's, yeah, that's interesting. So we got, so anyways, uh, Jar Jar exists in part because of his kids. And he's thinking about what his kids would like. And that is a downside, but we have it now and we just got to live with it. Um, but granted, I would have made him sort of a in tune with the Force a little bit. Though maybe he's, I don't know, like, I don't know, force, like, I, I don't know. Like, something that, like, it, it causes like, him to be clumsy. Like in, it um, leads him to be clumsy. Like, I would say sort of like, in, in, in sort of the opposite of, in Rogue One, uh, what's the character's name, Jim? Oh, yeah, the uh, the blind guy, played the blind, by, played by uh, um, Ip Man. Ip Man, yeah. So, yeah, so, so that, exactly. So, sort of the opposite of him. Where he's in tune with the force, but not really in tune with the force. Right, where he's it's sort a of, messy signal. It's, like, yeah, it's, it's a sort of a staticky signal. So that, I think that could have been an interesting take on it. Um, I think what happened was, you know, the the from from some of the various theories and other things, I, you know, that that the whole idea of Jar Jar was originally supposed to be the like Yoda, but it's sort of an ex a long game, more of a long game where he's actually he plays as the idiot. But is actually the you know, the fool that you meet on the road. I see what you mean. And that and that he's actually intended to have been be this wise guy. Wise guy, time. but that that real to some, wise to some degree because of the backlash and feedback, they he, just shoved him in. They the just back. he just he became a smaller character and he just became a useful idiot rather yeah. than being something more. Now disregarding the rest of the gun gun stuff and what I already mentioned about the whole you know Jedi. Clearly showing they can't be using diplomacy because they can just hand wave what they want out of you. Right. Um, summon bigger fish. I wrote this because Darths and Droids, great comic series, uh, yeah. Cheddar Monk. Uh, but I realize this is one of those areas where again, like I think Star Wars saved in the edit uh, that YouTube video, and um, just again reading secret secret history of Star Wars, you will understand and see some stuff because you never firstly you never see our characters go through the planet core. You're told the quickest way is through the planet core to get to Naboo from the Gungan city. Uh, even though it gets them there after the invading army from the other side of the planet. So, uh, so yeah. but you have this weird break where they're underwater, they're going through, they start getting eaten, by, uh, getting eaten by a fish, they summon bigger fish to kill the fish. And then it cuts away to Sidious and Trade Federation talking. Then we cut back to them losing power, um, which I don't, you don't restore power by hot wiring your boat but they they lose power they get the power back and it's oh no it's a big fish again and we gotta run away from the big fish and it's it's this weird pacing where it's like, we just did this right it's sort of it, but it follows that pulpy like oh but the next part of their adventure but it's like this is where they should be going through the planet's core or something like that or something like it's this bad pacing and it's again where the the saved in the edit comes in and also one of the big points of contention between George and Lawrence Kasdan was the director, right? No, no, that was the writer. I can't remember the director of Empire. Wasn't it, did Lawrence Kasdan write and direct or no? I don't remember. Um, and look up the producer while you're doing that. Because he was always worried that Empire, the way it was being directed, would be too slow. Audiences would get bored. So he's always mm -hmm. trying to pressure, you gotta have something happen. Kirshner. You gotta move Kirshner, that's right. Does it have the producer there? I think it should be Gary Kurtz. But... Yeah, Kurtz. Okay. Because after Empire, he fires Kurtz. These guys have been working together for a while, since I think mm -hmm. before 
before, right, when they were um, trying to develop a Flash Gordon movie or something like that. Yeah, well, even, like, before, because they had already developed the American Graffiti together. Right. Um, oh, I forgot to ask if you ever watched THX 1138. No, I never did. I never seen the film, but I watched a short film. And it's interesting seeing elements that he would, I don't want to say recycle, but it's like you could see where his style went from that short film to like parts of the Death Star when they're getting ready to fire and stuff like that. Like, he had a style back then that was really mm. interesting and is not as present in this film. Um, he really did have a style. He had some kind of a hunger that he kind of, I think he lost. And I think Star Wars helped kill it. But that's the thing. Like Again, Empire Strikes Back. Why did he write and direct this alone? Because Empire Strikes Back, he could not stand being away. He kept being afraid of how the movie would turn out. He kept um, trying to get him to speed it up. And the Gary Kurtz and Kirshner were like, no, trust us, trust us. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. And next thing you know, Empire is viewed for years as the best one. Um, but here, where you have fish, scene, fish, you see that element of George Lucas. You see him having these scenes only because he's afraid the audience will get bored. Hmm. He wants to make and, sure there's action. And if you I, I consider he's making a film for kids, because like I'm reminded of when we went to see De Detective Pikachu, and that movie was paced in a way that just as your middle child was getting fidgety, something would start happening and he'd be sucked in again. Yeah. So the film is paced I, I, in that. And I, I agree with that. I think that's a valid criticism of the film, where there's... Right, there's where the film where something could be better spent on development or plot or something else or playing footage of the jedi in the senate or you know whatever whatever we're going to do with it there there's right there's just like oh another fish um yeah. kind of stuff or <laughs> there's some pointless pointless action and other stuff that sort of pops up or pointless pan to jar jar as he bungles something yes. severely yes um, yeah, again, so many of these things, uh, questions and stuff. I don't even think, yeah, I didn't even get to Tatooine yet on this page. Um, because I'm trying to figure out why they would kill the queen, what's going on, like what, again, as I'm writing through this, I'm trying to figure out what is the whole point of this, but, um, no, actually something I did want to mention regarding, um, other than, I... I can't stand the fan wank of having R2-D2 and C-3PO in this movie, but oh, that, I'm over it. I'm over I, I, I'm it. Hashtag over, that over it. That was, that was sort of, I mean, R2-D2 is now the, you know, the character who is, well, C-3PO. He's the mascot been, character. In all nine movies. R2-D2 is the mascot of Star Wars. Well, now yeah. it's BB-8, but only because Disney wants it to be. Ho, ho, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Uh, we need, to do, a, we need to do a... You need to watch Rise of Skywalker. Do I need to? And then we can do a podcast. I'm already 35, man. Who knows when I'm going to die? I could have a heart attack we, tomorrow. We, need to do, we can do a podcast on, you know... How Why I, George how at I, least is more talented than J.J. Abrams? How I learned to hate the, the Star Wars or something like that. Um, oh, that's, the, that's easy. The fans... Oh yeah, but <laughs> the I think see, we'll we'll talk about it another time. But one I did want to I don't even remember it's on this page. Um, so interesting thing that you could do with the queen and the whole disguise things, and um, they never really have any moment where Natalie Portman's in the background, like maybe making certain glances or gestures or like baseball signals with her fingers. 
to the acting queen, the decoy queen. Mm. And that's something I would have loved in like going back and watching is what if they like had what if they snuck stuff in there so like there might be like a uh, like a quick glance to check for like you know like oh is this okay is this not they never have anything like that it just yeah. works no that's true so it, it's it's like it, it's just just like a spot uh, Natalie Portman where's Natalie Portman in this scene um, hmm. but otherwise um, See, that, we, that's that's uh, one of the more I feel like that's one of the more interesting like ideas in in the movie is that the the real queen spent most of her time in this whole thing posing as the maid while the maid was posing as the queen yeah uh and i think that was a that was it was a good that was just an, a a on a, while there was they could have executed aspects of it better like you said that was just an unabashedly good idea yeah, is and that's a like a cool historical thing too that's happened and all that. That yeah, I like yeah. that. That's a good. Uh, but we get to Tatooine, and this is where honestly, this is where I think the film picks up because this is also where that whole trade fed Senate story takes a back seat. Yeah, and we're now on to just the story of finding Anakin, and this is where again, this is where I think this is where my major re, my rewrites would come in. Because um, firstly, big problem here is just again, like if we if we change Jar Jar's character, maybe, but it's like uh, Padme's like, I'm coming with you. The Queen wants it. It's like go back in. It's, like, it's a dangerous place. It's like it's it's too dangerous for you. So I'm bringing Jar Jar, and it's like what, what, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that gonna make it? More dangerous? Isn't that going to make it worse? Like, it's... Oh, so... So... That's, like, one of the first... But, honestly... And this is where this whole movie... Again, I would have trade... And I know you had your... You, you explained your piece. But I think in the long run... It would have been better... And it would have been fitting more with what we get in A New Hope... If we swap Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon in personality and even in role... Qui-Gon this whole time has been having some kind of cloudy vision of um, dark portent in his mind. And so he decides, you know, like, he, like he's got a, they've landed on Tatooine. He's got a really bad feeling. He's like, you know what, Obi-Wan, you go. And also, Obi-Wan's still a Padawan, but I, it would be established when they get back, he's going to become a Jedi. Like, this is like... This diplomacy right, was they his do that last later mission. In the film, they kind of yeah. do it later because he said he's ready but for the trial. But earlier. it's not. They're basically saying he's ready, but it's like this is. I would. I would get rid of the idea of the trials. It's like he's ready. This is his last mission as a Padawan. When they go back, he's going to be given the Jedi title. But Qui Gon's like, I'm going to sit and I'm going to meditate on this matter. So he stays in the ship. He guards the queen and he's meditating. And meanwhile, Obi Wan, who at this point is the one willing to bend the rules a bit, is the one that goes out into Moss Eisley, and instead of Anakin being six, we go back to George's original idea of Anakin being 12. Now again, why did George make Anakin six? Ten. Ten? No, that kid's not ten. He's ten. No. Okay, he's, he's not... Okay, actually, Jake Lloyd was not six years old, but he was like seven or eight. No, he's, he's supposed he, to no. be ten. Anakin's no, supposed he's to be not ten. ten. That kid is not ten. Uh, let's see. How old is Anakin in episode one? Because you think about your nine. Old... Okay, it's supposed to be nine. Oh my goodness! There's no way that kid's older than your. Okay, no. here's okay. Have you ever seen the movie Three Ninjas? 
Not in a long time, boy. Okay. <laughs> Talk so, about something I remember so, seeing so, in okay, just, just, again, just as a, as a comparison point. So the actor who plays Tom Tom, the youngest, is eight. I don't remember Tom Tom. He's the, he's the youngest of the three ninjas. I just remember he was... Do, again, I have not seen this movie in a long okay. time. Anyway... I, VHS so tapes saying, were still a thing. Saying, anyway, I think I think yeah, there are definitely there's this like Hollywood kid range where like they've got kids that like look younger or something. But anyway, so Anakin's supposed to be nine. He's you're right. He should have been twelve. He should have been at least twelve, maybe thirteen. I'll cross, I'll cross it at thirteen because my whole idea with writing Anakin in my rewrites of Anakin is. We want to latch on to certain lines from the original film. Now, let's say Obi-Wan is 18 at this point. Like, how old is Obi-Wan supposed to be? Probably like 18 or something like that. So older, 18, older teenager. So you have enough of a gap that they could still be friends, even if there's a bit, there's a bit yeah. of a gap. Um, and you also have a small enough gap between him and Natalie Portman that it's a romance gross. isn't gross. Um, but also... When we think back to Owen, who I imagine, like, I would include Owen in this film, but only for maybe one scene. Um, Instead of, like, Greedo or whatever. Whatever little Greedo. <laughs> or, like, this random kid that's just there, but is unrelated. Um, but, like, because, you know, the whole, he's got too much of his father in him. That's what I'm afraid of. Now, we're not going to fully establish that that's what I'm afraid of in this film, but we're going to establish some of it. Because what we want is Luke is the is you know he he's adventurous but he was raised a good farm boy in a good setting with good loving parents but anakin is adventurous and a slave in moss Eisley. Mm -hmm. so what we're going to do, try and write is luke but if he was a little bit more hardened i don't want to make him edgy i don't want to make him angry hot topic but i want to give him a little bit of edge and one of the first things that in my mind i thought of was instead of when he first meets Padme, are you an angel? Uh, which is one of the worst. Firstly, why are you introducing angel? Like, first you introduce the idea of gods. Now you're introducing angels into Star Wars. What is this? What is this? Why are we introducing angels? No, 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 no. This is supposed to be the Force and just the Force. Sure, the Force. Let's yeah. not overcomplicate it. Um, but instead of are you an angel, like, the way I would rewrite it is something like he sees her and he's like, you're beautiful. And she's like, oh, you know, thank you. And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You're too clean. Your clothes are too good. They're too. They're not torn. They're not. They're too right. fine. They're not made of. It's like you, you don't look around suspiciously in every corner to see if there's someone looking to jump you. It's like you're not like the other women here, and like so we, we have this kid that can see through her, and you start to and, and that's the thing you can work off of that like because she her whole thing is disguising herself right, and this is where I am breaking my rule a little bit because I'm even thinking of how I can work this in Attack of the Clones when they meet again. Because, so he sees right through her. He sees right through her disguise. And now she sees this as a challenge. Like, because he, he, he's willing to speak honestly with her. He doesn't care about her station. He doesn't know about her station. Um, and he speaks his mind. And they, they, they have this discussion. And maybe, like, throughout this part, like, she borrows clothes from Shmi. Um, she dirties her face a bit. She's like, okay, now how do I look? And he's like, you don't look too bad, but don't talk. You still sound too noble, you know, kind of a thing. Like, and that I'm also yeah. honestly pulling a little bit from Zidane and uh, Dagger uh, Garnet, from, Fi yeah. Yeah, Garnet from Final Fantasy IX. Like, take some influence from there. But that that's where it's like, I, I would have that kind of a dyna dynamic building so that, by Attack of the Clones, 
Maybe she's even on the ship that he's on. No, no, you know, then we don't get the assassination attempt. But basically, make it so when he shows up, you know, like, he's looking for her, he's trying to figure out which disguise is hers, and then next thing you know, she's this engineer that's been there the whole time, all, you know, oil greased mm -hmm. up and stuff, and he's like... And, like, she views it as an accomplishment. Like, she's that gotten enough commoner tongue, she's able to disguise that. And you have, now you have what the second film sorely lacks, you have a relationship and commonality and room for them to like each other. Like, and especially, like, and again, because of their age, like, because there's such so many years between, she doesn't get the time to view him as a kid brother, um, but when she sees him, she's like, whoa, you've grown. And she's also young enough that, you know, it's still... It's not weird. It's not weird, you know. But anyways, that, that's some of where I'll go. But also, because he's got this edge and Obi-Wan's there, you know, Obi-Wan's still good, though. Like, he's the one that's willing to, you know, try and use the Jedi mind trick on Watto, which, again, we now have established there's a whole race of aliens that is impervious to this Jedi mind trick. I feel like he should be able to do more with, more with that. But, um... Other than, like, a also, ethnic stereotype. Why is Watto the best acted character in this whole movie, and he's a computer-animated character? <laughs> um... I don't know who was directing the voice work for the 3D animated characters, but it wasn't George. And because because he's even better than the Asian stereotype trade federation. <laughs> like, come on. Um, but no, you, you have that. And also, like, so you have the dinner scene where, you know, they're trying to arrange the, 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 the whole pod race idea. And Anakin, you know, wants to do it. And of course, Anakin's observant enough, just like in the movie. Because again, like... George also understands enough of script writing that he understands setting a scene. That dinner scene is actually a good example. Minus Jake Lloyd's atrocious acting, he like you, you're you're setting up like he saw the lightsaber. He knows oh, what a Jedi Jake. is. Ugh. But um, he he he's pointing out his observational skills. He's explaining things and yada yada, and you have and you know. 12, 13-year-old Anakin do the same things. But again, Owen is his friend. And he's in Moss Eisley to sell some of their farm crop or whatever. And when he's there, you know, he, he likes to visit Anakin. And they like to talk. And maybe you get to hear a story about how, you know, Anakin... Like, maybe they do whatever the equivalent of cow tipping is. But the only reason... Like, like basically, Owen's the one that's like, Gosh, Anakin, I don't know. We should be doing this. Um, he's the good farm boy. And... Anakin's the one that's usually getting right. into, into trouble. One of the things that the, the prequels lack is this whole idea of like, oh, he's got too much of his father in him. Like, Owen saw Anakin for like five minutes, and then Anakin went and killed a bunch of sand people, and then he came back and they buried their mother. Yeah. Like, that's... He doesn't know anything about Anakin. So, and, and also, by Owen coming in and having this relationship, we now have a tie for Shmi to meet Owen's dad, or whatever. So yeah. we now have it, but this is me breaking my own rule and thinking it the next movie in. But it's like it helps this right. film. It still helps it this film. Be it helps than, tie it with a new hope. It would be better a better way to tie the two together than having C three PO. Yeah. Be like. And a, what I would have is instead of Shmi agreeing, like Shmi puts her foot down in Obi Wan. He's a Jedi. He's got you know he's willing to bend the rules, but in this case he's like, it's a shame, but. Maybe not. Until Anakin, you know, middle of the night, wakes Obi-Wan up and he's like, come on, we're going to do this. And he's like, and Anakin should still love his mom, but he's still willing to just be like, look, I want to do this. I want, because he wants the adventure. Right. And he's like, come on, let's go. Let's go talk to Watto. And Obi-Wan, you know, might be a little uncertain, but he's like, you know what? Let's do it. 
And this is the thing, like, this is how I would have him and Anakin bond, because maybe in some conversation, like, like he even, like, because he even asks, like, are Jedi, you know, blah, blah, they, like, are they really this stuck up? And he's like, I mean, not all the time. Like, it, give them something to relate to. And if Obi-Wan is, like, a little willing to bend the rules, but also introduce potential conflict, like, have something for the pod race so, where... I'm sorry, I will let you talk in a minute. I'm not just going to keep monologuing, but have something in the pod race where, like, it's brought up. Like, you know, um, Anakin's like, don't worry, I'm ready for Sebulba this time. And uh, Obi-Wan, you know, stop him and be like, don't cheat. Like, you know, they're, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. like, it's like, I understand the idea of bending the rules a little bit, but there is, it's like, exactly. we are still Jedi. And this is, it's like, if you really look up to us, then blah, blah, blah. And the kid's like, you know, uh, yeah, okay, you know, I know. And then he does cheat, and after the race, because that's how he wins. Like, Sebulba, mm -hmm. of course, is cheating too, but, right. and we still have moments where he, we see his quick, cool Same. head, and, and it's again, the pod race, do, they do demonstrate, okay, this is Anakin thinking on his feet, so we get the idea that it could be a good pilot. Um, and he, and, and you know, you still have that, but you have him cheat, you have him, like, do something to sabotage Sebulba that can't be traced, I don't know, like. That, you figure that out later. And then afterwards, Obi-Wan looks at was like, you won fair and square, right? And just Anakin smile at him, the Force was with me. And boom, we have like suspicion, but not enough. And then when they go back, Darth Maul proves he's not completely useless because this is where we kill Qui-Gon before they leave Tatooine, not in the final conflict. You kill Qui-Gon here, you have something where he see, like he finally so sees you make the Qui-Gon you, you make it a tragedy. He finally sees Anakin in his vision and he realizes this kid's gonna bring disaster. And when he gets out of the ship and he sees Obi-Wan coming, he's taken aback. He is surprised. He's caught off guard. And that allows Darth Maul to get like the first hit in. You still have your fancy fight. You tell them to get on board and to leave. But Qui-Gon is so distracted because he sees this kid and he knows what's coming. And then, boom, Darth Maul kills him. Obi-Wan sees it. And Obi-Wan looks at him and he's like... Like, now Obi-Wan's got reason to want to get this guy. You know, and it's earlier in the film. And he's just like, oh, and he's left without his master. And now you, you create a tragedy. This is part of what I would love. This is the potential I see in the script. You create a tragedy because... Qui-Gon, if Qui-Gon does not have the time, it does not have the chance to warn Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan's going to train this kid that's going to doom them all the Jedi, or at least the currently living Jedi, that's going to doom them and bring a bad thing about, now you have the tragedy, now you have good drama! Okay. You got good drama! Okay, so I, I get that. So I think, I think there's an element where, sort of like the Palpatine thing, there, your the initial viewer of the movie doesn't shouldn't know that the movie is written as if you don't know that Anakin will become Darth Vader. That does this reveal that he's going to become Darth Vader? Well, I'm just saying you see darkness. Like he sees, he sees the kid. And he sees darkness. Right. All you need to see is this kid and like and, fire surrounding him, and that's and if you see anything at all. That's if you see anything at all. Like, you could just wake up and like look. Be someone be like. Master Qui-Gon, why do you look so troubled? I saw a boy and blood or something like that, or like right. and fire and pain. Um, 
fear. Yeah, is like, and then it's like, he's the dark side. Just, just, just um, you know, and he yeah. see he, when he sees the boy, he's like, so it's him. And then Darth Maul attacks, like boom, and, and Darth Maul doesn't just become lame. Darth Maul actually kills the Jedi early on, so he's cooler now than he would have been in the final version. Of so the film. I think I think what my issue with that is, other than the fact that it totally, I think it totally rewrites some of the better stuff about the prequel. And one of the better things about the prequel is the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And so... Ewan McGregor is the best thing about oh, Obi-Wan Ma- Kenobi. Ian McGregor, Ian, Ian McGregor's depiction of him. But no, I, the but, character... Okay, oh, I didn't mean to say. I didn't mean to say. I can tell there are some moments where he's intended to have a sense of humor. Intended to. Like, there's a line dropped when they're talking about the Republic credits issue. And Obi-Wan says something like... Well, there's nothing here we could sell but the Queen's, you know, wardrobe. And I don't even think that's enough. And it's like, <laughs> what would have been better is, especially if they had that, if, you know, he's talking, it's like, we need to be able to trade these Republic credits and Qui-Gon's, you know, tell them, uh, we don't have anything. And then while Padme's right there, we could uh, actually, you know, right. he can't look at her, he can't know, but he's like, as like, even while Padme's there, he's like, well, we could always sell the Queen's wardrobe, you know, like, <laughs> jokingly, sell right. it, say it like Spaceballs, Lone Star, you know, like, right, well, her highness's royal it. luggage. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good line, so anyway, but I, I still think what you create is, so one of the things that, and in the show don't tell department, is in that final lightsaber battle, you you kind of have to be looking for it but you can see obi-wan is the is the defensive move player trying to get the trying to have a, a good position and fight cautiously qui-gon is the That's one still a who's mistake. That's chasing still a mistake. who's chasing darth maul and i know i still i still agree in the idea that this is what he went with maybe this was a mistake is the idea is obi-wan is the cautious, thoughtful one. Qui-Gon is the rash. This is the same guy that's telling Luke to leave his farm to help him save a princess on the Death Star. This is the same old man. Now, granted, a uptight young little fudge nugget or whatever can grow up to become a lot more loose in his old age. But, it's not, it's, it's, but this is the same man, and again, like... So no, I can't buy that. I know, there's, can't a, buy there's that. a difference though between Obi Wan. Obi Wan knows basically that's that's what they have to do, right? It's not so like Obi Wan knows he gets himself into these situations, but he's the one. Okay, they just chased down Count Dooku. Obi Wan knows that right now they are outmatched. Dooku is, and this is an attack of the clubs. Dooku is more powerful with the Force than Obi Wan and Anakin are. And he's oh. like, okay, we've got to, we've got to like, like plan this that's out. We got to be cautious. That's fine that they tried to do that, but I does, does that but, mean it worked? But it doesn't mean better. what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean he doesn't he doesn't go chase Dooku down. It means that he's going to be smart about how he engages Dooku. And We're not even on the second movie. No, the second movie. But what I'm saying is, you just because he's going to he's going to go get the Death He understand Obi Wan understands the stakes. He's been sitting in the desert for 20 years, waiting for this moment when he begins Luke's journey as Luke's master, Jedi Master. So, like, I, I don't think that's that's. 
I, uh, and I don't think that's I, enough of the credit to say that Obi-Wan wasn't the cautious, thoughtful one in Qui-Gon was. See, what I, I think it would be better is if we see a more reckless Obi-Wan that learns that he can't be so reckless. And that we get one that's as adventurous as we get in A New Hope. And that is able to reminisce on those those better times when he was younger. Because he, so, he reminisces in ways that I can't believe he would ever reminisce in the... the well, the so I think, I think you get... Obviously, anyways, this is, this is again, a little bit too the much. Character of Overwatch, I, I think, I, I guess what the point is, I, I don't... I think that what you're changing about this, the script here is not a negative aspect of it that needs to be changed. Maybe there... I'm thinking of an improvement, but you're right. It's not necessarily a negative, except... Here's the thing. Obi-Wan in this movie, again, like, I see moments where they try to give him a sense of humor, but it doesn't quite work that well. Like, the Obi-Wan in this movie has no real personality, and, like, it's just well, like, Jake, Jake, like, Anakin in this movie is, gosh darn, Jimmy, Jimmy Jellicers, I'm well, such a yeah, good Obi-Wan, kid. Yippee! Obi-Wan definitely takes a back, a back Which seat. I didn't even talk about the whole trauma thing. Again, why, did, why was his age reduced in the first place? Because it wouldn't be so traumatic? George is trying to go back and forth between Anakin being like, yeah, I'm going to space. Mom, aren't you coming? Oh, I'm sad. Guess what, C-3PO? I'm going into space. It's going to be great. Right. I'll tell Mom not to sell you. I'm going to miss you, Mom. Like, th- this yeah. is not traumatic. And you know what? Again, 12-year-old kid who the only family he has is his mom, and he's been a slave, and he's had to watch out for her. That's still going to make a big deal. No, that so was, that George, was, George's again, like George's decision to de-age this kid was a bad idea. That was that was definitely clearly a mistake. So, so that's what we, we don't agree on exactly how Obi Wan should be executed. What I was going to say is, yeah, Obi Wan takes a back seat in the Phantom Menace for sure. I think the development of the relationship between Clone Wars and uh, Revenge of the Sith is that. In other words, you need uh, extra or, film. Uh, no, no, not, sorry, not Clone Wars. Attack of the Clones, and I already say Clone Wars. And Revenge uh, of the Sith is that in Attack of the Clones, Obi-Wan... It's, show, it's tell, don't show, but we'll get into no, that. Uh, in Attack no, of the, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that with Attack of the Clones. But I was gonna say, I'm just saying, in the development, you're talking about, oh, well, I can't imagine how Obi-Wan would be wistful for his time with Anakin as his friend. We'll get into that with Attack of the Clones. But Well, you're saying it's, it's a problem in this one. It doesn't need to be established yet because there's a there's a journey that they go on. But it on. would help to establish it here anyway. Anakin is... Or at least set the stage for it. Obi-Wan... Too young, he's too young to be friends, yes. But we want to see how they can at least start to bond. Anakin, so in this film, the Obi-Wan, Anakin... They have no bond. Is re, is thrust because he's just a kid. Is thrust onto Obi Wan reluctantly. In Attack of the Clones, Obi Wan is like a father figure, and he's a bad father. So he's not even a friend. He's a father. And, 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 Mentor, then, and, and that's one of my other issues. Mentor and father. Can you let me finish. Friends. I let you talk for like two hours, <laughs> and I'm trying to make one point, and you're that interrupting time does not say two seconds. hours yet at all. Every ten seconds, and then in by by Revenge of the Sith. It's more like an older brother, younger brother relationship. So that's what I was trying to say. So they they develop the relationship through the movies. So there's not, right, there's not there yet at Phantom Menace. But we all knew this was going to be a trilogy and they didn't have to be there in the Phantom Menace. What's, what's I mean, next? part of the problem is because again, like here, here's part of the problem is why am I trying to fix this script with all this stuff in mind? And part of it's because this film just gives you nothing. These characters are nothing. That's part of the problem. This film is like 
And that's the, that's that's where again I'm fine with like the pacing of it is good, and you have. I mean, it's tough for me to judge the action now, anyway. And I'll be honest, like I, it's tough for me to determine whether I would have been bored by this film because at this point, if I can sit here and critique it and play this like make up, you know, make up your own script thing, then I'm clearly engaged in some way, right. so I'm enjoying it. But it's like the film as it is, like I'm not sure if I even enjoyed the pod race or not. I kind of did. I mean, again, like I, I found moments where it's like, okay, this is where Anakin's establishing this, that, and the other thing. I do think, actually, again, like Tatooine, I think, was the highlight of the film. It is the best part, even with the kids' Borsta acting, because it's where you see George at his, at his most competent within this film. Hmm. Even though, again, like, what is his best stuff? It is not dialogue. It is not character. Um <laughs> It, and again, like you read Secret History of Star Wars, and it makes sense because you see where other people made up for his, uh, uh, where his instincts would have led led him to cut things out, like Leia's quick kiss to Luke before they swung on the grappling hook. He would have took that out because audience laughed, and it was his wife telling them they love they laugh because it's unexpected. You know, there's there's all this stuff in his book that points out how George just does not understand human interaction in ways other like that, yeah. that a regular writer would he's got a lot of interest in certain technical aspects of filmmaking but when it comes to the characters and honestly a film can't like you can only do so much with action scenes so why is Leia a princess man I don't know why do we even have a queen that has a term an elected queen why would you elect a teenage you have an elected girl queen. as queen so it's, uh, the, 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 yeah, I mean, but um, let, let me, I'm trying to find again, like, now that we're done with Tatooine, oh, well, again, we did the pod race and, it's, you know. It's a, it's a good spectacle. It's not like a part of the movie <laughs> I want to watch over and over again. Oh, I, for, I don't remember the exact line, but it's something along the lines of someone like the Trade Federation pressuring the, uh, the, the, the dude. And he, about the starvation, is like our people will never bow. We're a democracy, and it's like, so, so you you, you put it to the people, and they would vote. They voted to starve. Like <laughs> again, like bad writing, bad writing. But I don't want to. I don't want to do that kind of nitpicking. Because um, that's the thing. They they go back to, and this is kind of where even with my notes, I'm checking out. Because like I feel like now that we're back to the whole trade federation plot line, and I've already discussed everything in my thoughts about. Here's how it would set up the no confidence vote and all this stuff. And, like, I just... This is just... Eh. It's, and yeah, again, like, this that, is... And this uh, is also... This is the most eh part of the movies. When they go to Coruscant. Yeah. And There's they, the least amount of action. It's all characters that aren't interesting. And again, like, this is where I also have more notes about, like, here's why I would have swapped qui Oh, wait, wait, no, no. My, my idea, Qui-Gon's not there anymore. Obi-Wan goes and his promotion to Jedi is like looked down upon because, you know, Qui-Gon's dead in my version. Um, but he's a Jedi now and he says, you know, my first act is I want to start training this boy. And they're like, what? You just became a Jedi? You've already, you're already trying to get a Padawan? And he's too old. He's too old. Just, just like they would say with Luke, yeah. he's too old, man. This is like, and this is where, you know, have, and like I had, I wrote some like, you know, potential dialogue down where they're talking about the whole fear nonsense because everyone loves that quote you can swap the because what is it fear leads to anger anger leads to hate hate leads to suffering suffering can lead to fear hate can lead to anger 
Anger can lead to fear. Fear can lead to suffering. Uh, like, which is of course the ultimate. Like, you know, A right. equals a, B, B equals C. B equals C. And yeah. but that's the thing. Like, like you know, I'd have you know Anakin say something like, "Are you sure I'm the one that's afraid and you're not afraid of me?" You know, drop lines like that that help keep the council like I don't know. But like in the, you got to be careful though. You got to be careful. You got to make sure Anakin does show potential. Oh, I forgot. Uh, I forgot because everyone wants to forget it. I figured out what purpose midichlorians serve in this film. And it's really stupid because it's really simple. So when Akira Toriyama ended Dragon Ball and went to Dragon Ball Z, well, he didn't end Dragon Ball, but when you go from Dragon Ball to Dragon Ball Z, all of a sudden this thing called a scouter is introduced. Do you know what a scouter is? Have you ever watched Dragon Ball Z? No. The scouter measures your power level. Yes, I'm familiar and with And this is power. what leads to over 9,000! And this is exactly what purpose midichlorians serve. Because the exact line is something along the lines of, his midichlorian count is over 20,000, it's over 9,000! <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I hate... Wait, that's even greater moves. than Master Yoda! Exactly, it's even greater than Master Yoda, and I'm sorry everyone listening, I hate overdone meme jokes. Like, I'm actually funny, but this, it's the exact same purpose. It's the exact same purpose <laughs> as the power level. Therefore, it actually works in this situation because, again, it's like, yeah, that's even more than Master Yoda's midichlorian count. That's the only reason it's there. To try and give you a measurable understanding of how powerful the Force is in this kid. And it's dumb and it's unnecessary. You don't need it. You don't need it. You, you can establish it well enough. This is an untrained 12-year-old that's, like, sensitive in the Force in ways that, you know, like... You don't right. need it. You, you, don't you need get it. you can get enough, and of course they introduce the chosen one nonsense, which which and so uh, that that also that's another thing that really bungles up the the original trilogy because there's no indication from Obi Wan like oh yeah your dad was the chosen one yeah it's like yeah your dad was my friend we were Jedi's together and we we served in the Clone Wars and George himself went back and forth between what the whole bring balance to the Force thing means but. Um, oh. it's just, yeah, it, it's something that I would have ditched, but it's, yeah. again, it is what it is. Um, and that's what, like, but that's why my Metacorians exist. And honestly, again, they are a dumb inclusion and we, everyone's already pointed out how they're contradictory to what Yoda says about the, the force right. as if it's this mystical thing. And now you give it a scientific well, explanation. Have you heard the whole thing that the, that the, like... The sequel trilogy, George's original sequel trilogy, was going to have to do with how, like, the wills with an H W H I. Yeah, I know the journal. We're gonna wills. like, we're basically like microorganisms that control the universe, and like that was like the source of the force was through the midichlorians that are created by the wills. And there's some some nonsense like that. Would it have been worse than the new trilogy? That's a probably, good question. Probably not. Probably. Uh, <laughs> guys, remember, um, if you've been following this podcast, up until a few months ago, I was a staunch defender <laughs> of Force Awakens, and and, and uh, yeah, it's just... That's Jedi, and then Rise of Skywalker did it. Rogue One's so, okay, good, though. So, Rogue, Rogue One is good. All right, so, yeah, so we made it through Coruscant. I mean, we've already talked about the Senate and all that other stuff and how... And then it's just they go back and they have the four-way fight. And this is, like... I mean, again, this is stuff where you have people that have already criticized. And again, like I didn't want to repeat stuff that Red Letter Media already did. They've already covered how at this, like, 
what was A New Hope. It was just one final battle. Uh, Empire Strikes Pack has two plot threads. Luke and the other guys or something like that. Return of the Jedi has three plot for threads. The Ewok fight, Luke and Darth and the Emperor, and then the Death Star Shields fight or whatever. Yeah, like, the, 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 the space fight. And now this is four. And it ends up being too much, but you can't take anything out without like interfering. Right, I mean, before, wait, wait, you have... Um, Gungan Battlefield. A Gungan Battlefield. On oh. huge tracts of land. Jedi um, fight. Jedi fight with Darth space Maul. Fight, and space then, fight and with the shields. Taking and, back the palace. Which, again, like, if Anakin was older than him... Actually, if Anakin was older, it could have been his choice to get in the ship and shoot the droids and save Rather the princess. Rather than it all being happening on autopilot. Just autopilot, an accident, yeah. like, And that's the thing. Like, I'm, again... Hashtag over it. I'm. I, I don't care about. And that's the thing. Like twenty years out from it, I don't hate this movie. And I think that's one of the things that I learned while watching it. I would not willingly go back and rewatch this as it is. Like like just for the choice. Like, there's a lot of movies I wouldn't go back and rewatch because oh man, I really want to watch. Like I don't. Right. Like this was a fun little mental exercise, and it's still going to be with Attack of the Clones. But I actually, oddly enough feel like I might be more warm to this one because as a starting point especially you're able to freely like do this rewriting exercise can I like, when I do the this same exercise with attack of the clone should I start fresh should I assume Phantom Menace is as, as it was or should I carry on with my idea for rewrites like is that how I should approach the mental exercise like is I mean based on your ideas and how where attack of the clones Starts where Anakin is snarky, um, and you know, at the age and all these other stuff. Are and some of what we already discussed, yeah. like because some of what we've discussed. Like, again, this podcast this is, a- is inspired by our discussion on Discord, where I already rewrote a scene there with a much colder Anakin, as opposed to I'm crying about everything. Right. So, like, uh, well, we can we can talk about you know Anakin being an emotionally stunted child. And whether uh, that makes for a good Darth Vader or not, but yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, he does—he does like a, a spoiled child start force choking a uh, Empire general. So <laughs> that—that's—that's um, that's the thing, though. Like th- this movie, I don't hate it. I don't hate any of the prequels at this point, actually, and I don't hate George Lucas. I think that's the most important thing. And th- to go back to the reaction, because again, like I was hyped as anyone. Um, I was like really hyped with Duel of the Fates. I saw this movie and I walked out and I was like, what the heck happened? Why did George make this movie for stupid idiot children? Toy Story wasn't stupid like this. Like this was the kind of stuff going <laughs> through my mind. You know, how can we how come we can get a Pixar Disney movie? Actually, yeah, you weren't even thinking Pixar. You're like, how come I could get a 3D animated Disney movie with more brains than this? That feels like it's more like that had a scary scene in it. You didn't have a Jar Jar Binks in that movie. Well, maybe you did. Maybe the dinosaurs Jar Jar Binks in Toy Story. I don't yeah, know. I would have rather if they could have put if they could have put Rex in into the Phantom Menace in place of Jar Jar Binks. It would have still been a better character. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I just remembered the 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 photoshops of Rex in place of the Tyrannosaurus in Jurassic Park. <laughs> But that 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 that's part of the point though. Like this this film, and the thing is, I was not I didn't know who George Lucas was though. 
like everybody else, I had this uh, idol mystical image. bearded man yeah, you, who... who gets all the credit for the original films. And this is when people start talking about like, oh, but you know, he didn't actually direct or write the second film. You know, he didn't yeah. actually do this. You know. And then you start hearing about, oh, did you know Return of the Jedi was supposed to be a planet of Wookiees, but then he decided it was teddy bears? And now all of a sudden, it's like every everybody turns on their messiah, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's also where, in my older age now, I've realized part of this area where, for me, the biggest issue with Star Wars is that the fandom has become a religion, and it has influenced fandom as a whole. Where you can't just let a movie be what it is. You can't just let a movie be disappointing. Um, like, I... You know what? I love the Alien movies. Alien Resurrection is not a very good film. I can at least watch it no. and consider... I can at least watch it and consider... And that movie disappointed the crap out of me. But I can go back and I can watch it. And maybe this is because I'm used to disappointment. I loved Jurassic Park. I loved the books and I loved the Lost World book. I saw the Lost World movie and was greatly disappointed because of how different from the books it was. Like maybe because like I, and I was a little kid. I was like middle school when that movie came out. So and th like if this was 1999, I was either finishing eighth grade or starting freshman year of high school. So this like they, maybe I was used to being disappointed by Hollywood or something, or maybe it's just, I was never as, like, I loved Star Wars, but I never loved Star Wars, I never read mm -hmm. the extended materials or anything, so, uh, like, we had the toys growing up, my brother had the toys, we had them recorded off VHS, HBO, or whatever, um, we never owned the VHS tapes, which I, dude, I would have bought a VHS to computer, or whatever, converter, just to have the original version of the films to watch. Um, I've got them if you want them. Well, I don't have the converter now. Like, no, I mean, I've got I've got the... VHS the, tapes? No, I've got the Laserdisc um, cut on DVD. Oh, snap. That I'll come over for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. We'll watch those sometime, man. But the... the, the that the, That's the thing for me that... I mean, I, because now we have this point of fandom where it's almost like it does become and, a religion. And I feel like, to some degree, the toxicity of it sort of came out of these movies. Well, it came out of a lot of things. Like, the past decade has been really messed up. And I think, I mean, part of it is social media and what social media well, has done the to internet, this question. Was, yeah, there's the, but, the whole idea of the internet where you started seeing all these fan sites and fan communities pop up and all these other things. And so the Phantom Menace is sort of on the cusp of all this, where... Um, well, the part of The Phantom Menace, too, is especially, again, you look at the past 10 years, what do you have? You have a bunch of people that were kids, and Phantom Menace is their first experience with Star Wars, and they grow up, and you have you start having two camps even with them. You have these kids that grow up with it, and are like, these movies are good, you guys are jerks, and then you have kids that grow up, because especially, again, you go back, you watch some of those, you right. read some of those plinky comments, and you'll have people that are like, you know what, when I was a kid, I liked this movie, but watching this, holy crap, you're right. And th this is part of what a lot of people hate. This is, again, one of the reasons I intentionally tried to avoid Red Letter Media criticism is because we've, there's we've a lot of people, well, we've heard it all, but we've also, a lot of people hate Red Letter Media now because there are people that just quote what Red Letter Media's criticisms. That just linked to them, and like I understand 
Because in a lot of ways, it's like these guys voice something that is I find true. But at the same time, you need to be able to think for yourself. And also, it just becomes another tool and a weapon of you need to fight and condemn and convince people that Phantom Menace was awful and George Lucas or or something. Yeah. Um, you need to convince something. But that's part of it. Like, but then now... I feel like there's been a backlash too, because like you see the Phantom of the the new trilogy, you see the Comic Con reactions where people are like, Star Wars means so much, and I know people are going to be telling me it's fan shaming, it's not fat shaming, which I am, it's <laughs> fan shaming. I am totally fat. I will shame myself, but no, it's like it's fan shaming, and like I'm sorry, but like this is not a religion, and it should not, no no piece of entertainment should become your religion it should not be this thing like it's there to be enjoyed and you it's 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 even healthy to go through and study it because by studying creations you might be able to go create your own thing but that's part of the problem instead of people wanting new stuff they've just wanted more star wars new Star Wars, but it can't be too different, or it's got to be this, or no, 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 we got to make sure it has this in it, and it, 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 now you have conflicting interests when just watch something new. Let some people that want this, let them watch Jupiter Ascending. Let them enjoy Jupiter Ascending. Let other people like Firefly. Let other people like, like just start, like, and I feel the same with Star Trek. Like, just go out there and like new things and create new things. Stop writing your fan fiction. You know, fan fiction's nice when you're a teenager trying to get used to prose, but at some point you gotta start writing your own story. Like, and, and this is all easier for me to say, because I will also say, like, all my rewrite ideas and stuff that I put out there, I haven't written a book or anything. I've thought about it, I've wanted to, I've never gotten to it because I'm not, I'm too much of a coward. So at the very least, what I will also say about George Lucas is, dude went out there and made something. Back in the 70s and back in the 90s, and he had a lot of pressure on him when he was making it. And maybe, yeah, he is too controlling, and that led him to doing stuff by himself that he shouldn't have. And unfortunately, that godlike status led to people not willing to tell him no. And there's also there's a factor that a lot of times people who have these ideas, these, you know, great possibilities and worlds that they can build, that they're not perfect people. They're flawed people who have yes. issues with how other people interact with their creation and how they take criticism and other things where a lot of times these things go hand in hand. Uh, so it's not, you can't separate it. You can't separate the personality from what they what they created, or even the struggles that went into creating it. That yes. in Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back doesn't exist without the tension between Lucas and Kurtz and Kasdan and Kirshner and whoever else. And the thing is, I also, I don't also fault people that might be in their teens or their early 20s that still feel strongly because I... Final, we've discussed this. Final Fantasy has the. I know I, I'm looking at the time too. We gotta, we gotta finish soon. But Final Fantasy has, in a lot of ways, defined who I was when I was growing up, right? And I ended up getting very upset with Final Fantasy. I got very angry about it until finally, with Final Fantasy 13, I just started to become apathetic. But 
After growing up and realizing a lot of things, I'm able to go back to Final Fantasy and maybe I'll dabble in 13. Maybe I'll never finish it. I've accepted that, like, you know, Final Fantasy 15 is not like the older games. It's very flawed, but I like what it does. And it's like, this series doesn't have to be what I thought it was when I was a kid. And I think that is something that I think the 30-year-olds, the 40-year-olds, no matter what fandom you are of, be it Star Wars, Star Trek, or anything, firstly, be just it's not going to be the same as when you were a kid. You're older now. You're an adult. You are not the person you were. This is never going to be what it was to you when you were a kid. And you can let your kids enjoy new things. It's different things. Kids ended up growing up loving Harry Potter. You know what? It's time for Harry Potter to go by the wayside and for kids to grow up with something new. And you will never know what that's going to be. But just be willing to let these things go by the wayside. And again, these things can't be your religion. Um, but again, Phantom Menace in the long run at the end of the day... I mean, it's, it, I don't know what I can say about it in terms of its actual quality. Like, I can't give it an objective, like, is it good, is it's, it bad? Or is it, I can mean, you say it's not as bad as I remember it being? Okay, I can honestly technically say that. <laughs> there we go. And then, it is and, still... I mean, maybe you could also say that, and this is, this is maybe a little bit of where I started with it, is, you know what? I'm a grown man. <laughs> I don't have to be angry about whether or not The Phantom Menace was a good movie anymore. Which I think was just my giant monologue there where I did That's what you that was, that was kind of in summation. Like, we don't need to be mad at this anymore. Some people enjoy this movie. Some people don't. Some people sit down and watch it and completely rewrite it and probably write a better <laughs> 11 movie. 11 pages of notes. And you know what the funny thing is? When I was done with this, I, oh, I could think of my church pastor being like, well, Chris, that's very interesting, but how much time have you spent with your Bible today? Like, that's all I can think. That's all I could think as I sat down and I look at my Bible. I was like, I didn't read this today. <laughs> so, uh, I'm sorry, Pastor. <laughs> but the uh, that's, uh, who knows if Attack of the Clones is going to be this many notes. I don't. I don't think the underlying plot of Attack of the Clones is going to be as confusing to warrant this many notes. So, uh, you're looking at me like... It's not... Attack of the Clones is, 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 a, is a weird one because you'd actually like... The central conflict is a little bit muddy. It's like, <laughs> there's an assassination attempt on Padme and Obi-Wan tries to figure out who was trying to assassinate him. And that, he figures he basically meets the guy who does it, but then that leads him to this whole cloning operation, and then leads him back to another planet, and then meanwhile, Anakin and Padme are off, like, not making out. And Anakin's really mad that they're not making out, and then they, Anakin kills a bunch of sand people, not just the men, but the women and the children, also he hates <laughs> sand. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. Oh. And then eventually they all meet up on... Talking about him wanting to make out. I mean, on Geonosis for... Well, a, that's what that's where Geonosis is from. I was confusing with X-Men. Okay, yeah, that's um, Genosha. Genosha. Yeah, on Geonosis for a big battle. And you're... Anyway, it's... It doesn't have... It's really hard to say, like, what the plot is other than... Like, oh, we were trying to figure out who was trying to kill Padme, and we found a way bigger problem. 
<laughs> that's that's the plot of that. So it's okay. I, you're gonna enjoy it. I Am I? You are. And then you're gonna. You're see gonna it. like the way you look. I guarantee. I guarantee it. it. And I guarantee that after you listen to this podcast, you're gonna have a good night. You are gonna have a good night. I don't know when we're going to get to Attack of the Clones because we got to do a Ghost of Tsushima podcast. We got to do Persona Five Royal at some point. We might even do like a crazy. Uh, we haven't confirmed this yet. We might do like a crazy like psychology, mental health, and gaming. Oh yes, 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 yes. We did talk. We might have combo, some, a special. It, it might be a. It'll be really special. It'll be almost a mini event. It might be live stream while we. Uh, while we do the podcast. So. Yes. Well, I'll keep you guys up to date at the very least on my blog. I don't know. We'll, we'll try to let you guys know ahead of time. Um, but yeah, otherwise keep up with uh, RamblePack64.com. You should know how to find it by now. Uh, you guys have a good night. Have a good night.